Hello and welcome back to Weathering the Storm, a podcast where we strive to weather the storms of life by placing and sustaining unwavering faith in Almighty God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles. I welcome you today to episode 20 of Weathering the Storm on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are now in season four of this particular podcast on the Scattered Abroad Network, and I'm just uh, very, very grateful for the opportunity to be on this network and to be working alongside uh, some really good men, and I just appreciate all of you who have listened and those of you who are listening today. Uh, we have been working through the book of Psalms this season. Uh, this is our next to last episode, and so uh, if you haven't had a chance, uh, I would love for you to go back and, and to listen to some of of the Psalms that we have studied in hopes that it can help you in some way in your own personal study. Uh, we, we've decided to use the book of Psalms this season because it's just the one book that we have in Scripture that really can help us navigate through whatever we may face. And the highs and the lows and, and the things that go on in our lives, the book of Psalms uh, directly speaks to that because we can look into the life of David and other writers who were human beings. And they had some highs, they had some lows, they had ups and downs, they had storms. But there's always this emphasis on looking to God and bolstering your faith in Him, knowing that He can get you through. And again, that's the goal of this season, that's the goal of this podcast, that's certainly the goal of our episode today. Over the past several episodes, we've worked through some different Psalms. Today we come to Psalm 143. We've kind of been building up to this, we looked at Psalm 141 and 142 in our last episode, but now we come to this great text, Psalm 143, and it is an earnest appeal for guidance and deliverance. And doesn't that tie in perfectly with the theme of this podcast? If you haven't already, I want to encourage you to go and like us on Facebook, uh, find us on YouTube, our YouTube channel, Scatterbroad Network, find us on Instagram, and email us, contact us, thescatterbroadnetwork at gmail.com. Again, it's a wonderful blessing to be on this network, and uh, we have podcasts, uh, several podcasts now. We're growing uh, a lot lately, and uh, so we have material coming out every day of the week, and would certainly appreciate you listening to that and sharing that with others if you find it to be helpful. Again, we come to Psalm 143. I want to begin by reading this text, and then I'll walk through the text with you before we look at some ways in which this psalm can help us to weather the storm. Psalm 143, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness answer me, and in your righteousness. Do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake, 
For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies. Destroy all those who afflict my soul. For I am your servant. David was a true servant of God, wasn't he? He wasn't sinlessly perfect, but he was a man after God's own heart. And when we read his writings, we can just we can, we can gain much encouragement and strength from thinking about David who went through these things and how he looked unto God. And he was so sincere and genuine. And we see how God was with him and God helped him. And that same God who David is praying to in this text is the same God who hears us and can help us today. Let's work through this text together. First, notice with me the appeal. Verses 1 and 2, the appeal. David appeals to two things about God. Number one, he appeals to God's faithfulness, and then he appeals to God's righteousness. Notice that David did not look within to his own ability, but upward to God's ability. And that's what we always need to do. God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, Ephesians 3.20, that's where we need to be focusing. And that's exactly what David is doing. He's appealing to God's faithfulness. Faithfulness carries the idea of reliability. You know, and God is faithful, the Bible teaches. When He makes a promise, He keeps it. God's Word is always going to stand firm. And so God's faithfulness, and then God's righteousness. He's righteous in the absolute sense, isn't He? And so verse 2, He says, In your sight no one is righteous. The thing about Romans 3.10, There is none righteous, no, not one. But while it is true no man can be righteous in and of themselves, it is possible to attain a righteous status with God. We know that because there were individuals who did. Remember the parents of John the Immerser, Zacharias and Elizabeth, Luke 1, 6. They were righteous before God. 1 John 3, 7, Let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. So again, you can be right with God, but this is only possible through Christ. Romans 1, 16, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. So what is David really appealing here? Why, why is he going to God and talking about God's faithfulness and God's righteousness? Here's the point. David is pleading with God that he not deal with him as he deserves. Think about the judgment that would ensue if God dealt with every person as they deserved. I'll tell you right now, friends, what I deserve, and that's death. I, de- I deserve an eternity separated from God. I don't deserve salvation, and I could never earn salvation. It's a free gift of God. And if I respond by faith in obedience to the gospel, if I respond to the conditions that God has set forth in His Word, I won't deserve it, but I can obtain salvation, and I can have the real hope of living forever. Now David here, he's appealing to God knowing that he's messed up. And he's calling on God to be with him and help him, not on David's faithfulness or David's righteousness, but God's faithfulness and God's righteousness. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplication in your faithfulness. Answer me, or according to your faithfulness, answer me. And according to your righteousness, hear me. God will always do what's right, and he will always be faithful and be there for his people. And so that's David's appeal, an earnest appeal for comfort. For our purposes, this is an earnest appeal to God to help us weather the storm. In verses 3 through 4, let's notice the agony 
the agony that David was experiencing. It says, The enemy has persecuted my soul. The enemy has crushed my life. The enemy has made me dwell in darkness. Verse 4, it says, My spirit is overwhelmed and my heart is distressed. His enemies had driven him to this dark and lonely place. You know, today our enemies, and especially the enemy, of course we're talking about Satan, can take us places we don't want to go spiritually. One of my instructors in Memphis would always say, sin will take you where you don't want to go, and it'll keep you there longer than you want to stay. Satan promotes agony. He promotes it, and he encourages self-destruction. The thief comes not only to, to, to steal, but to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, I have come that I have life and have it more abundantly, John 10.10. Jesus wants us to have a life that is real and free and genuine. And, and But here's Satan who wants our lives to be filled with agony. David has experienced that because the enemies have persecuted his soul. The enemies has crushed his life. And that phrase made me dwell in darkness. You know, sin will do that to you. We mentioned this in our last episode. God is light. In Him is no darkness at all. And so if I find myself in a place of darkness, I'm not near God. I need to draw near to God. Draw near to the light. Don't stay in darkness if you find yourself there. Come to God. Come out of that. Because there's only agony and misery found in those dark places. But that which is good and that which is right is found in the light. And so David is not holding anything back. He says, here's what the enemy has done for me. They've made me to dwell in darkness. They've crushed my life. They're persecuting my very soul. But with that, David is able to weather the storm because of the awareness. The awareness. Verses 5 and 6. I want you to notice some of these key words. I'm going to walk through them with you in just a moment. But let's think about the importance of memory. Memory is a great blessing. It's, it's great to remember you know, some good things that have happened throughout our lives. And when the loved ones passed away, we, we talk about some of the good memories that we have. I know that any time I, I preach a funeral, I close with a prayer for the family. And, and I always pray that their memories of their loved one will be precious and sweet. Memory is a good thing. But memory can also haunt us if we dwell on the negative things of our past. I think about the Apostle Paul, Philippians 3, 12 through 14. You know, he could have dwelled on, on a lot of things in the past that could have just crushed him and ruined him. But instead, he said, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing forward, I press toward the mark. I look ahead to the things that are before me, Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Here's the awareness that David has. Notice these words with me. Number one, I remember the word remember means to keep in mind for attention and consideration. I remember. Think about Psalm 8 when David says, I behold you know, the work of your fingers and your creation. What is man that you're mindful of him? David could go back to being a young shepherd boy out in the field and beholding the beauty of God's creation. He could remember that. So here he's going through this trial. He's going through this storm. His enemies are persecuting him. He's in a point in a time of agony and so he says, listen, I'm going to go back. I'm going to remember how God has been there for me. Number two, he says, I meditate. The word meditate means to ponder, study, and focus. Think about Psalm 1, 1 through 3. He meditates day and night in the law of the Lord. 2 Timothy 2, 15, study to show yourself approved. Give diligence. 
Meditate upon the Word of God. Apply it to your life. I meditate. He remembers God's goodness and greatness, and he meditates on it. Number three, he says, I muse. The word muse means to converse with oneself, to become absorbed in thought. This idea is brought out Psalm 39.3 and here in Psalm 143.5. To converse. In other words, you, you, you're telling yourself as you remember and meditate, you know what? God is so good and God is here with me and he'll be there with me throughout all of this. That's the awareness that the child of God needs. Spurgeon said, memory, meditation, and musing are here set together as the three graces, ministering grace to a mind depressed. You find yourself in a depressed state. You find yourself in agony like David did. Remember those three words, memory, meditation, and musing, to find grace in time of need. Number four, he says, I spread. The word for spread here means to break apart or to lay open. He, he says, I, I bear my soul, I'm laying open my soul unto God. He's aware that he's able to do that. And then he says, I long. This, of course, is implied here, but I long. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Remember the words of Psalm 42, 1 and 2. As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Jesus said, Blessed are those who do hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled, Matthew 5, 6. And so we think about the wordage there. We think about the language. It's all about David's awareness of God being there for him and with him. I remember, I meditate, I muse, I spread, and I long. We've noticed in Psalm 143, David's appeal, David's agony, David's awareness. But now in verses 7 through 12, let's consider the action. The action. He's calling on God to act. Here's what he's asking God to do. Verse 7, he says, answer me. Answer me. Verse 8, calls me to know the way in which I should walk. You know, this is interesting when we think about it, because the way in which I should walk is not always the easiest or the most pleasant. But it is necessary. You know, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof, the ways of death, Proverbs 14, 12. It is not a man who walks to direct his own steps, Jeremiah 10, 23. So we need to seek the old path wherein is righteousness that we may walk therein, Jeremiah 6, 16. Jesus said there are two ways you can take, two paths you can take. There's the wide, the broad gate, the least of destruction, and there's a lot of people going that way. But there's a difficult gate, a narrow way that leads to life. Only few find it. It's difficult, but it's necessary. Luke thirteen twenty four, strive to enter in at the narrow gate. The word strive there is from the Greek word agonizomai. It means to agonize. And so David here understands, you know, this is not going to be easy. But what great faith to say calls me to know the way in which I should walk. I, I want to know. I want to know what to do. I want to know which way to go. So he goes to God for that answer. Answer me, calls me. Verse 9, he says, deliver me. In our last episode, we emphasized David talking to God and recognizing that he was his deliverer and redeemer. Well, here he's recognizing that same truth, isn't he? Deliver me. Verse 10, 
Teach me. Teach me. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. And so the action that he's calling on God to do is to answer him, to cause him, to deliver him, to teach him. Also in verse 10, he says, lead me, lead me to the land of uprightness. Lead me, be with me. Finally, verse 11, he says, revive me, revive me. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake, for I am your servant. This is a perfect pattern for prayer, isn't it? You can go into the right source, pouring out your heart to God, being aware and and being mindful of God's goodness and greatness and His power and His love, and then asking Him to do these things. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? Ask, seek, and knock. Matthew 7, 7. Let him ask in faith, James 1, 5. That's the mentality that we need to have. Go to the throne of grace boldly to obtain mercy in time of need. David certainly did that on this occasion. You and I, we find ourselves in the storm. That's exactly what we need to do. Don't shy away. Don't, don't hold anything back. Go to God. He can and will be able to help you weather the storm. And so when we think about David asking God to answer him, to cause him, to deliver him, to teach him, to lead him, and to revive him. I want to ask you, how does God do this for us today? How does God answer this call to action? May I suggest to you, He does so through His Word. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, Fully equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. The Word of God does give us that direction. It does revive us. It does strengthen us. God has answered us. He's given us all things pertaining to life and to God in 2 Peter 1, 3. We have what we need in the Word of God to weather the storm. And what a great blessing it is that we have God's Word with us. David understood that as he prayed to God for guidance and deliverance, He was to do his part in faithful obedience. He says, I am your servant. I'm going to do what you ask me to do. And I pray that you will be with me and help me as I navigate through life. Psalm 143 is a beautiful, beautiful prayer. It's an earnest appeal unto God. And David had great faith and great confidence as he prayed this. And you and I, as we think about the the words that we read in this psalm, hopefully we can have better confidence as well. With those thoughts in mind, let's close out this episode with three ways in which Psalm 143 can help us weather the storm. Number one, when you find yourself in the midst of a storm, reminisce on the times when God blessed you abundantly. One of my favorite songs that we sing, and always stops me in my tracks, is Count Your Blessings. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, do not be discouraged, thinking all is lost. What do we do? We count our many blessings. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. You you count the blessings, you count the times in which God has been there for you and delivered you. And that will give you strength and comfort that He can get you through whatever trial you're facing now. Number two, when our hearts are distressed, we need to focus on the great physician who can help us. David says, my heart is distressed. I'm overwhelmed. My enemies are persecuting me. And he went to the right source, didn't he? He went to God to find that strength in time of need. Number three, and finally, 
We are not the only ones aware of our storms, even when we suffer in silence. God can hear us even in the silence. He hears our cries. He sees our tears. He's with us in the darkest of times to bring us to better times. And I hope and pray that those are some thoughts that can help you. And I hope that our study of Psalm 143 has been beneficial for you. Ultimately, I hope that we will all look to God in times of strength or in times that we need strength, knowing that He can supply it. Thank you so much for listening today. I pray that God will richly bless you as you weather the storm. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.